The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. That horrible question that people Mm -hmm. ask us, what should and shouldn't be negotiated after the inspection? Because we really never know what goes on after we leave the property, right? We go in, we find all the facts that we're going to find, we compile them in a report and send them over to the client, and of course Mm -hmm. they're asking us questions as we go, but we really don't know what gets negotiated. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, your host, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, the Structure Talk crew. On today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about negotiations. As home inspectors, clients put a lot of trust in our opinions, and it's not uncommon for them to very discreetly ask us, should we negotiate this? Should we negotiate that? And that's a really sticky wicket from a home inspection perspective, because at the end of the day, we're there to find facts. I really don't have an opinion on how you should proceed with negotiations. All I know is that's a great conversation for you to have with your agent. You know, you determine what's most important for you and you guys work through it, develop a strategy, so on and so forth. I'm going to throw it over to uh, Ruben and Tessa, and what's your opinion on answering questions about negotiations? Is this something you actively engage in? I'm totally with you, Bill. That's, that is not at all what I am there to do. I mean, if, if I was going to expound on that a little with my clients, I might say, look, I have no idea what you're paying for this house. I don't want to know what you're paying. I don't know what has been negotiated, what the right house is for you. I, I don't know any of this stuff or what your skill level is. You really got to talk to your agent. If you're going to ask about what should be negotiated, if anything, you got to talk to them. That's totally outside the realm of what I do as a home inspector. Gotcha. Tess, what, what oh, do you think? I can't say it any better than that. All right. So we're dodging that hot potato. Totally, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at least when it comes to our clients, that's not to say we don't have our own opinions. Okay. And I've put together a lot of this. I have a, a document I put together a couple of years ago. I spent uh, I spent a long time putting this document together. It was kind of a conglomeration of a lot of different blog posts talking about negotiations after the home inspection. And I think that's the title of the document. Yeah, it's negotiations yeah. after the inspection. Where does one find You know, document? I'll bet you if you Googled it, you could find it. If not that, I'll put, put a link. link. I will link to it in this particular podcast episode. But it's a nine-page document where we answer that horrible question that people mm-hmm. ask us, talking about what should and shouldn't be negotiated after the inspection. Actually, we don't get quite that detailed. We don't say these things should or shouldn't, but we say these things shouldn't be negotiated. And then we talk about reasonable Mm -hmm. negotiation items. Things that get successfully negotiated or have a higher success rate of being negotiated that we've experienced in the last decades. It's interesting because we really never know what goes on after we leave the property. Right. We go in, we find all the facts that we're going to find. We compile them in a report and send them over to the client. And of course, mm-hmm. they're asking us questions as we go. But we really don't know what gets negotiated. But Ruben, would you say this is a company line? Like this document is sort of the company line when it comes to. No, I'd say it's more just my opinion okay. on paper. There really can't be a company line on this. I think different inspectors in our company will probably have different opinions. But I, I really put this together as a tool for real estate agents to use to kind of guide them a little bit. And if you got an experienced agent, it might not be of any use to them. But for newer agents, 
I, I created this because of being involved in so many different transactions where we end up getting hired to go out to do reinspections on some of the silliest, pettiest things like, oh, we want you to come out and make sure they install the new furnace filter. And we want to make sure they caulk these windows. And we want to make sure that they fix this leaking faucet. And I, I'm just giving you the list of stuff I had to do when I sold my house. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's uh-huh. all these petty little things. And it's trying to put together a document to guide agents a little bit. Because I haven't seen a good document on the real estate side mm-hmm. giving this type of advice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of hit the high points. What do you think is negotiation worthy? Well, like known conditions. So things that you can see when you walk through the house before you have an inspection, you and your your agent. Things like, you know, stained carpet or holes in the walls or maybe a driveway that's cracked and in really bad condition. What do you think about this, Bill? Bill, you're always a contrarian, so I got to know, what do you think about this? I think that should have obviously been factored into this, the price that you were willing to pay for the property. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these right. straight up visual things. Yeah. If, if you need me as a home inspector to tell you that the floor is stained, Right. Did you look? Yeah. Right. Ex- exactly. <laughs> well, I've had I've had buyers though. They're like, "Hey, make sure that you take pictures and comment on how bad the carpet is in here, because we're really gonna we're gonna hit them hard yes. on, on stained carpet." Or same thing with driveways. Hey, I really want you to to emphasize this driveway needs to be redone because we're trying to negotiate a better price on it. You know, I'm thinking here in real time, and I might be changing my opinion of some of this stuff. I think the emotion and intensity of selecting a new house is pretty high up there. And we talk about this. It's really hard to unsee something that you saw, but before you saw it, you would just happily walk past it for years and years and years. And maybe that's what it's like when you're buying a house. I've only bought one. I've been in the house we're in for 18 years and there were things that were obviously wrong with it and we accepted it, but maybe you just walk beyond it and you're you're oblivious to the fact that there's a driveway with a big sinkhole in it or something mm. like that. It doesn't even matter. You're you're thinking location and the house and and so forth. So I don't know where I'm at with this at this point. Yeah, we'll uh, go back to what you said the first time, Bill. Okay. Like Next it. one, Tess. <laughs> Things that are old, but they're still functional. Okay. So if you've got, you know, a furnace that's getting older but it's you know, it, it's working just fine and safe, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle asking that seller to replace that furnace just because it's old. Yeah. And a lot of this comes from misunderstanding in what's in a home inspection report. We are ASHI certified inspectors. Everybody here at Structure Tech, we follow the ASHI standard of practice. That's the American Society of Home Inspectors. Part of that standard of practice says that when we find components that are at the end of their serviceable life, we need to report on that. We can't just you know, gloss over it. If mm-hmm. you've got a furnace that's 20 years old, our SOP says you need to tell your client it's at the end of its life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we're telling somebody you have to replace this. Mm-hmm. Or that it's a defect. Exactly. It's exactly. just old. That's where yeah. it is in its life cycle. Yeah. That's it. And then a lot of people make this big jump. And I mean, I've had it happen where I say to one person there, I say, yeah, the furnace is 20 years old. That's about what they typically last. So just be aware of that. And then I'll have the spouse turn right around to the other one. Two seconds later, he said, we have to replace the furnace. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. at all what I said, yeah. but that's what people hear. Yeah. 
Well, be careful with with that too, only because if you decide to throw that in and they're like, fine, I'll replace the furnace, you might not get what you think you're going to get. I, right. I like choice. I want to make my own decisions. When you say throw that in, you mean go back to the seller and, and tell the seller to replace, to replace right, it? Right, right. Yeah. You right. know what you're going to get if you yeah. tell the seller to replace it. A crappy furnace. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Cheap Cheapest furnace. thing yeah. that you can get. Yeah. Installed by Uncle Larry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll, we'll dig farther and farther into this here in a second, but we're going to step away and take a break. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Hi, everybody. Ruben Saltzman here with the Structure Talk podcast. We talk a lot about education on our podcast because this is one of our core values here at Structure Tech. To prove how important this is to us, we actually teach free continuing education classes to real estate agents all over the Twin Cities. We've been doing this for years, and we have classes ranging from one to four hours in length. These classes are taught by both me and Tessa, and if you're interested in having us come out to teach at your office, all you need to do is visit our website, click on the Education tab, and you can see instructions on how to get us out to your office. And you can also see a calendar of upcoming events. If you're interested in having us come out, please visit our website at StructureTech1.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Okay, Tessa, so what are some other trivial things, uh, yeah. things you would think were trivial? Yeah, so we talked about known conditions, things that you can obviously see, you don't need an inspector to tell you, things that are old but functional, maybe old windows or, you know, something like that. Just because they're old doesn't mean they need to be replaced. The next thing would be, like, what we consider to be minor defects. So, like, okay, Ruben, you said you had a bunch of things in the transaction of your house, right, that came back that were really pretty petty. Yeah, they were all really small, like. Like what? Well, like fixing a leaking faucet. In fact, in the purchase agreement, it said a leak at the sink. And I assumed it was a leaking sink drain that I wasn't yeah. aware of. Yeah. And it turned out it was it was one of those single handle faucets. Ah, and those it always leaked leak. at the stem. And yeah, if you push up on just about any single yeah. handle faucet, you can get it to leak. Yeah. And it's like, come on, this is this doesn't even leak unless you kind of jam on it. Mm-hmm. And even then, what are, what are we doing? There's yeah. so much. You, you're buying a, a house. <laughs> so where is this coming from? Are buyers pickier than they used to be? Are they less technically capable to look at that faucet and go, that's not a big deal. It's just a tighten this or tighten that. That's a great question. I think that sometimes if people see it in the home inspection report, they get this idea that this inspection report is a repair list that I must present to the seller. I, I think that might happen sometimes. And when that happens, it's simply poor coaching on the real estate agent's end. They weren't telling them what the home inspection is all about. Just so we kind of clear the air here, I'm not I'm not suggesting this is like one of the millennial things because it's real popular to like blame millennials for all the ills of the world that they're lazy or or they want perfection, whatever it might be. That's not yeah, what Tessa. I'm doing here. I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> I, I just think houses are expensive and maybe that's what this is really about. If you're going to pay top dollar, maybe you feel like things should be working just the way they're supposed to be. I've heard so many people say that. For fill in the bank, for $300,000, you'd think, and then- It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, People say that a lot. I don't don't subscribe to that a bit, but a lot of people do. 
Okay. Yeah. So there's one other category that we have that we don't recommend trying to negotiate things over, and that would be like code changes or things that just have evolved over time based mm-hmm. on standards, mm-hmm. like safety things too. So you think about, you know, the space in between balusters and like a guardrail in a 1900 house versus a new house today. Very, very different, right? Same thing with riser heights and, you know, handrails and all that stuff. Lack of GFCI outlets. That yes. seems to be another one that gets people all whipped up, right? Yeah. If you're missing okay, a GFCI alert outlets. Break it down. GFCI. You're the it? acronym king. Yeah, tell us what it is. Ground <laughs> fault circuit interrupter. <laughs> That's right. All yeah. it means it's got that button on there. Yeah, right, the tester yeah, set the, buttons. The outlets with the button yeah, on there. Yeah, people get really bent out of shape. And as an inspector, you know, we're going to be commenting on these things, making recommendations on how to make things safer and how to make them just better in general. So if a house doesn't have GFCI outlets, you know, in a kitchen or bathroom or these wet locations that they should be, we're going to recommend adding them. But why? If, it can, if it's not wrong. It's a, life, it's a life safety device. It can prevent someone from being electrocuted. So it's a good thing to have. And just saying that that you should have it doesn't mean that it's a defect that it's not there. It's basically just a safety upgrade that we're recommending. Yeah. And when you say when it's not wrong, it's like home inspectors aren't there to tell you what's right and wrong. We're there to talk about safety, maintenance, performance. We are there to talk about some things that are wrong, but I mean, we're not code compliance inspectors. If we were, everything that was original to the home would not go in the report as long as it was done properly when it was put in. But with GFCI devices, I mean, this is a life safety device. The only job of a GFCI is to keep you from getting electrocuted. That's what it does. So we're really quick to recommend upgrading to GFCI protected circuits. And that's why doesn't matter if it was required when the house was built or not. And that's pretty cost effective to make exactly. those upgrades. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like it's, those things cost like bank. 10 bucks a piece. Okay. So we, we're talking about the trivial petty, however you want to describe it. Let's get to some bigger stuff. Where do you begin to get some traction over, this is a conversation that should be had. Are we going to adjust mm-hmm. the price or walk away from this house? That list of topics, the bigger ones that people do negotiate, it comes out of the stuff where when people do trying to negotiate this stuff, people accept it. Mm-hmm. Sellers understand it. Mm-hmm. You don't get kickback. I, I'd say number one would be a leaking roof. If, if a roof is leaking or it's about to leak where you've got shingles that have blown off and holes in your roof, nobody argues with that. Everybody gets it. And we, we see stuff like that mm-hmm. successfully negotiated pretty much every time it happens. Okay. Nobody mm-hmm. argues. All right. What else? Like big electrical problems, things that are fire hazards. So for an example of that would be a house that has aluminum branch circuit wiring. Anything that if a house has aluminum branch circuit wiring, it was built sometime between like 1965 and 1974-ish, right, Ruben? Good range, yeah. Yeah, so that's a fire hazard. And that can be a really, really big expensive thing to repair or to fix. Probably one of the most expensive things to repair, right? Probably one of the biggest things we find. I mean, definitely the biggest electrical item. Yeah. I mean, it's up there for anything. Thousands and thousands of dollars to fix that problem. Federal Pacific Electric panels, FPE panels, those are bad panels and they're also fire hazards. So we should cover that on an upcoming We should talk about. We should do one on electrical items. We should. There's a lot of things we could talk about with electrical issues. Yeah. But FPE panels are bad news. And so negotiating, replacing that panel is usually one that is a, is a good thing to try and negotiate. If you find a house that has unsafe knob and tube wiring, that could be another big potential electrical issue or other hazards too, like, yeah. you know, open splice wiring and... 
Yeah, big things. And, you know, we say unsafe noggin too, but gosh, the more time passes, the more I think we don't need to qualify that. We just say noggin tube. tube. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's at the point now where there are so many insurance providers who won't insure a house with knob and tube today. I, I bring up knob and tube whether I find problems or not. I bring it up as a concern. Well, more or less, just understand what you're getting, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer. It's buyer beware at that point, right? Understand what you're getting yeah. and make sure that whoever you're planning to use for insurance, insurance is going to insure that home. I did a survey. I helped a survey get mm-hmm. conducted this summer, and most of the insurance companies that we contacted said they will not insure a home with knob and tube wiring. And we we contacted like thirty of them. That sounds like another podcast conversation yeah, with an agent, so, yeah. and who, and maybe they could explain why, from their perspective, that's an issue. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up on the items that maybe you should be talking to your agent about, and uh, we'll put a wrap on it. Hi everyone, Bill Ulrich from Structure Talk. We talk a lot about maintenance on the podcast. If you're like me, I'd rather be doing anything other than maintaining my house. Problem is, my neglectful nature can bring unexpected surprises. So what's a fantasy football fan like me to do? Punch! That's why I recommend Cura Home Maintenance. They actually like home maintenance and they're happy to do it for you. For a couple dollars a day, they'll keep your home on track. They free you up to enjoy your weekends. Check them out at curahome.com. That's K-U-R-A home.com. Got to get back to the game. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a presentation of Structure Tech. I'm Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And let's just kind of dig into the final few pieces of home inspection findings that might be negotiation worthy. Yeah, well, there's a couple other things. Big exterior problems. We, you know, we talk about masonry chimneys that might be falling apart. It's always expensive to have to rebuild chimneys, right? If you've got a deck that's falling off the house, unsafe decks, that can be really expensive. Ruben, Isn't that every deck? I'm sorry. Oh, Bill, you are so a pass. I, I digress. <laughs> Yeah, my bad. <laughs> siding, big siding issues, yeah. big stucco issues, water intrusion behind mm-hmm. the walls. That's pretty yeah. big, big, big one. Yeah, big stuff. Nobody argues. Yeah, or big plumbing issues. So if you've got a, a house that has poor water flow, either due to, you know, galvanized steel piping in the house or maybe a lead or galvanized steel water main coming into the house, those are expensive things to have to fix. Yeah, I think we talked, I think you shared a story about that. It might have been the first podcast yeah, episode we ever did yep. where you talked about finding a galvanized main. Yeah, yeah that's and a bad big water deal. flow. Yeah, that can be very expensive. So those things could be good negotiation items. Or if you've got any issues with drains too, and it could be galvanized steel drains and you've got slow drains and the fix for that is replace the drains. Yeah, yeah, that's that can be a really big deal. I mean, you can clean drains, but if it's galvanized steel and that's where the problem is, mm-hmm. that stuff, you can't clean those galvanized yeah. steel drains. You can you can pour Drano down there, which will eat holes in your drains, <laughs> but it's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna make them work well. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't. Oh, advocate. and sewer bad sewer lines. If you've got a main sewer line that's you know in bad shape or cracked or something, a structural issue with it, that that could be a really good negotiation item too. So that's why it's a good idea to have a sewer inspection. You know, okay. So here's one thing that I I really empathize with real estate agents on this. You get this bad news. Now mm-hmm. what? You got to go figure out how much, how long, like how do you get a good answer? I I feel terrible for agents in that situation because it 
kind of throws this whole mm -hmm. thing out of whack. You got to have a whole list of contractors to get these questions answered and answered fast. Yes. Yeah. Or extend yep. your inspection yeah. contingency period. Tess, you you had pointed at two other things. Well, yeah, that... there's two other things on that list. I think that's a good question, Bill. But if you've got a furnace as a cracked heat exchanger or other big HVAC issues or like a water heater mm -hmm. that's backdrafting, that could be a potential safety issue. Yep. You know, those, those things are immediate are, yeah, and serious. Yep. Safety concerns. And then there's this other category, Ruben. You should talk about this one. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was kind of the catch-all. And this is stuff that didn't just fit neatly into one box. We call it other things that freak people out. That's, <laughs> that's as neat like as we that. could put yeah. it. I mean, number one on there would be mold. Yeah. Like yeah. any type of mold. I mean, we, we just yeah. had Vicky on a couple episodes ago. And, you know, she talked about how, you know, like mold in a bathroom, it's never harmful. But boy, good luck convincing that to any home buyer. Mm -hmm. They see something that looks like mold and they're like, oh, the house is trying to kill me. Um, <laughs> I don't think she said it's never harmful. I think she said most of the time it's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. When really they yeah. should be scared of their carpet in the basement. Really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but mold, I mean, yeah. as, as a home inspector, we don't make a big deal about that. I mean, we let people yeah. know you got this black stuff. It looks like it could be mold and have it cleaned up. We don't even advocate testing for it. Yeah, we don't recommend testing. Yeah, if you can see it and smell it, issue. you know you have it and you know you've got a problem that you need to solve. And I don't know about everybody else on the team, but I think we do our best at trying to figure out why that mold's there in the first place. Is it yes. bad grading? Is it a roof leak? Is it high humidity in the house? And then talking to the buyer about how to hopefully go about fixing that. Mm -hmm. I would test simply because then I know how to better approach it. I know what I'm dealing but with. But what and... Vicky was saying is the test doesn't tell you where it is and why it's there. Well, All I... it tells you is that you have mold and here's the species. Okay. Yeah, and, and the EPA and the Minnesota Department of Health say don't test. If you can see it, assume it's mold, treat it like mold, and clean it up. Identifying which type it is, there is no value in that. All right. That, Sorry, that's... Bill. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Give there might be some test. transactions where it's good, yeah. where you might want to have a test, though. There are uh, big foundation issues. Anytime, anytime you got a big structural problem, that's, that's another thing that freaks people out. You know, I found a lot of the time foundation fixes are not as expensive as people think they're going to be. Hmm. I mean, I remember this home. The price of this home had to have been discounted fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it felt like it was going for half of what it should wow. have been going for because it had these big big huge cracks in the foundation mm -hmm. anybody could see it and the guy buying it ended up getting a quote for like you know fifteen thousand dollars to completely repair the foundation they're hmm. going to do all this showing up they had a foundation repair contract out there gave them a bid and it's like there you're back to zero and you've got a ton of equity built into this house immediately it's because too many people watch hgtv that's yeah. why. There's so much misinformation. I'm sorry. That's not everything tangent, I but... see on TV is real and accurate. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. The, the foundation's important, but everybody, everybody yeah. wants to say, yeah, I want to make sure it's People got good bones. It. And it's like, yeah, we'll check for that. But yeah. boy, there's a lot more than just good bones. Well, and how many of those bones can you actually see when a basement has been completely finished? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot more to a house than that. Yeah.
And then environmental things that are excluded from home inspection standards of practice. Mm-hmm. Some of those things can freak people out too. We're yeah. talking about like buried fuel oil tanks. I mean, that that is kind of mm-hmm. a big deal if you got an abandoned tank. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, high radon levels. I mean, maybe it doesn't freak people yeah. out, but Fix it's it. always a negotiation yeah. item. Yeah. yeah. Just take care of it. If you got friable asbestos or vermiculite insulation. Yep. That's another bigger one that mm-hmm. seems to always get negotiated. And well, I don't know. There's probably yeah. a lot more. But that's, that's a, a good, good list. Yeah. So is there any way that this document's available if people want to read through your opinion of what can or should be talked about yeah. in negotiations? Yeah, we'll link this right on this podcast. Okay. It's called yep. Negotiations After the Inspection. That's right. Fantastic. Yeah, you could always share it with your real estate agent. Maybe they'd appreciate that. Maybe not. Share I don't know. it with, with your buyers or share it with your nervous buyers, your engineers that are, uh, think everything should be perfect. Let them read that list. and. Yeah, that, that's, that's really the goal of this is for an agent to give this to their client to settle them down yeah. a little bit. Yeah, perfect. And I feel like my company line is anytime we're asked that question, should I negotiate this? I'd talk to your agent with that. Amen. Yes. They're the experts. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech1.com. Thank you.